We're so glad that you've tuned into our Rolling Hills Community Church Sermon Podcast. I'm Brandon Billups, and I'm the high school pastor here at Rolling Hills. And as we've been in our current series, Celebrating God's Goodness, we've been exploring the biblical perspective on celebration, thankfulness, and God's goodness. We were created to be representatives of Christ here on earth, and that's why it's so incredibly important that our lives reflect our maker. Because when we live differently, we ultimately are showing God's goodness through the way we live. So dive into 1 Thessalonians 4 with us today as we learn what God's word has to say on this very topic. We are so glad you're here. Good morning, good morning, Rolling Hills Church family. It's so good to be together today. Welcome everybody here at our Franklin campus. Welcome everybody who's watching online. So glad you're joining in today as we come to worship our great God and give him all the praise and all the glory. And also welcome back to our series. We're in this great series called Celebrating God's Goodness. And we're just talking about this. How do we live a life of gratitude? Right In the middle of our world and all the things that are happening around us, so easy to get our eyes on our problems and our worries and our fears. But if we can just lift our eyes and see Jesus, if we can lift our hearts and praise him. And we're talking about this series, you know, hey, developing this attitude of gratitude, living with a grateful heart. Not just one day, Thanksgiving, it's coming up, right? And have a great day, a special day, but to have a day like that every day where we're thankful, we're giving God the praise and God the glory. And we've been in this great series, and we've been walking through this letter that the Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians. And it's so good. I mean, it's just so deep and so rich. And he's writing to this church that he helped plant. And last week, we saw just the power of encouragement, you know. He's encouraging this young church. I mean, they're young in the faith. And he's like, keep going, right? Keep following God. God's got a great plan. God's got a great purpose. And today, he's kind of saying, I want to encourage you to stay on the right path. And to head the right direction, right? Because it's important as we follow Jesus. I have three incredible kids. Love them. I love them. I love them with all my heart. They're amazing. They're amazing. And I remember one of my children, when uh, she was leaving, she, she graduated out, graduated out, right, of the Rolling Hills Learning Center. She did preschool here. We have such a great learning center. I'm thankful for Courtney and all the teachers do a great job here. And she's going to kindergarten. And she couldn't wait to go to kindergarten because, you know, in kindergarten, right, you get ice cream for lunch. I mean, like a big deal, right? And so like, you know, she was, I can't ice cream, dad, it's gonna be awesome. So she's saving her money, you can buy ice cream at lunch. And you know, kindergartners go a few weeks later after everybody else goes. And so she goes, kindergarten, and the first day she gets there, right, and she gets her ice cream. So Lisa picks her up from school, they're in the van, they're, they're heading home, and she's like, hey, how was the day? She says, oh, it was a great day, that's awesome. So. How, how was lunch? It was great. Mom, I got ice cream. It's like, oh, that's awesome. You got ice cream. Yeah, I got ice cream. She goes, but I didn't have enough time to eat it, so I just put it in my lunchbox. 
<laughs> At least it's like dead silence in the van, like, uh-oh. You know? so, so sure enough, right, they get home and they lift up the backpack and chocolate ice cream just running out of the backpack. Like it got over everything. I mean, like all the notebooks, all the papers, everything was ruined, everything we had bought and stuff. And we'd still laugh about it, you know? We're just still laughing about it because like, it was so funny. And you thought, man, it's so great that you get ice cream, but you got to know how to use ice cream, right? You got to know what the purpose is and when to eat it and when not. Good job on delayed gratification. Proud of you, you know, but hey, there's times when you got to do it the right way. And that's what we're going to see today. So if you have a Bible with you today, I invite you up with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. So New Testament right back there toward the back of the New Testament. And uh, you'll see 1st, 2nd Thessalonians, 1st, 2nd Timothy, Titus. It's right back there in the T section. If you're online, you can go to the Rolling Hills app and you can see the scripture there. You can also go to Version and find the scriptures there. Or if you have a mobile device here with us at Franklin. But 1st Thessalonians 4, so we've been walking through verse by verse, chapters 1, 2, and 3. And remember, Paul's writing this church that he helped plant. So in Acts 16 and 17, you can see that he was there on a mission trip and I mean, he leads all these people to Christ. And so there's Jews and there's Greeks, there's women and men, there's children. I mean, the church is thriving and it's growing. Thessalonica, you know, is the capital of Macedonia, modern day Greece, about 200,000 people, big place of commerce, kind of affluent, you know, a little bit like where we are living today, that kind of it town back then. And here they are. And he's saying to the church, man, you stay the course. There's gonna be some persecution. There's gonna be some challenges, but you run the race God's marked out for you. And then he comes to chapter four and he says, as for other matters, brothers and sisters, we instructed you how to live in order to please God as in fact you're living. He's like, you remember when I was with you? You know, now he's writing this letter back, you know, a year later, two years later back to the people and he's like, you remember when I was there and I told you to live to please God? You know, so often, right, we, we live to please culture. We live to please the world. We try to find our success there. And he's like, no, 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 no. When you're in Christ, you've got a different audience now. When you're in Christ, you've got an audience of one and you live to please God. Now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. He's like, you keep living your life for God. You keep running after him. You keep growing deeper in him. It is by God's will that you should be sanctified. It's God's will that you should be sanctified. Now, what does that word sanctified mean? It means to be holy. It means to be set apart, right? This is where we get the word sanctification. And sanctification, that is this lifelong journey to look like Jesus. That's the goal of your life. So if you've ever thought, hey, what's the goal of my life, right? It's not just to make a lot of money, right? It's not just to retire early. The goal of your life is to look more like Jesus, the goal of your life is to live like Jesus, to love like Jesus, to serve like Jesus, like pray like Jesus. That's the goal of your life. That's the goal for us as a church. That we ought to be looking more like Jesus. He says it's God's will, God's will that you should be sanctified, set apart, holy. And that's a lifelong process. So you may be going, well, I'm not there yet. Well, none of us are, right? Keep pursuing him. That you should avoid sexual immorality. So he comes and he kind of gives this one kind of area where he goes, guys, I want you to know how to do this right. Avoid sexual morality. Now, back then, right there in Thessalonica, and Thessalonica was, man, I mean, it was pretty pagan, okay? Let's just be honest. You got the Roman goddesses and gods, and they would go to the temples to worship. They had temple prostitutes back then. You just 
can't even think about that, right? But, but man, you think the fertility gods, they would come there to worship, right? So you had all this sexual morality going on. You think about the Romans, Roman baths, what would go on there, right? Roman orgies, things that would happen there. And he's like, that's the culture, but that's not you. You are different. Avoid that. Avoid that. That each of you should learn to control your own body. So he gives these three reasons why we should avoid sexual morality. One, learn to control your own body. Don't just give in to your urges. Don't let it enslave you, right? Fruit of the Spirit, self-control. Learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable. Two, he says, not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God. He's like, you're acting like a pagan if you go and do that stuff. You know, you know God. You know how he created. You know what's important to you. Hey, live not like a pagan, not in passionate lust. Lust is, I must have it now. Love is, I'll wait. <laughs> right? Lust is, what can you do for me? Love is, what can I do for you? Big difference. Big difference. He goes, hey, listen, control your body. Don't live in passionate lust like the pagans. And that in this matter, no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister. He's like, when you go and you do that, you're taking advantage of somebody, right? It's not just like a, a hookup and all of a sudden it doesn't really matter. Yeah, it matters. It's not just physical, it's emotional, it's spiritual. There, there's a connection there. So he says, don't take advantage of people. Don't do that. And then he says, the Lord will punish all those who commit such sins. As we told you and warned you before, for God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. It's like God didn't call you and then save you and then you just keep doing what the world does. You're called to be different. You're called to be set apart. You're called to be holy and trust in God. Therefore, anyone who rejects this instruction does not reject a human being but God, the very God who gives you his Holy Spirit. It's like, guys, you've got a responsibility. You've you got to live for the glory of God. Now, I'm sure the Apostle Paul was thinking too about the church in Corinth, right? You can go back and read First. Corinthians and the church in Corinth, the sexual immorality had come into the church. And he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. And so now this church that he loves there in Thessalonica, he's like, guys, be pure. Be holy. Do it right. God's got a plan, a purpose for you. He cares about you. He cares about you. So he talks about this, number one, be sanctified. Then he says, now about your love for one another, we do not need to write to you. For you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. He's like, remember what the whole instruction is. Love. Love God. Love people. Grow in your love. And in fact, you do love all of God's family throughout Macedonia. He goes, you're doing a great job. As a church, man, you're loving people. You're loving people so that people throughout Macedonia are hearing about the church. Yet we urge you, brothers and sisters, to do so more and more. <laughs> Keep loving Keep serving, keep giving. Those are the distinguishing marks, right, of a church, of a Christ-following church. And make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. You should mind your own business and work with your hands, just as we told you, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders and so that you will not be dependent on anyone. He's like, guys, listen, don't just make it about you and the pride and the arrogance and the boasting of the culture, right, you, you serve, you love, you be gracious. You think about Mother Teresa, right? Just going and serving. You think about people who just make a difference in the community, make a difference in those 
around them, serving your neighborhood, serving your workplace. Love the people around you. You know, Paul, I mean, he was so great at this, right? He was a tent maker. So he would go and he would make tents. He would get money and then he would go on mission trips. You know, it's like, I just gotta do my thing and I'm gonna go and I'm gonna serve and I'm gonna love. Yes. And then he comes to this third one right here and this is so powerful. He says, brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. So now he starts talking about death, right? And he's like, guys, we don't want you to be uninformed about this. We want you to know what will happen. Now there was big beliefs, right, back then that, that there was a fear of death. I mean, total fear of death. And you could go back and, and read and study and they believed, you know, man, the, the afterlife was scary. There were evil spirits that were coming and taking you away. And so when anybody died, I mean, that was just like the worst thing ever. And then in the morning, because you're never seeing that person again. I mean, that's it. It's over. And there's mourning and wailing and it would go on for weeks. And there was this fear of death. There was this fear of darkness. And Paul says, guys, we don't want you to be uninformed about those who sleep. They fall asleep, right? And then you wake up in the arms of Jesus. But he says, hey, listen, we don't want you to be uninformed about this so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who has no hope. We grieve. When somebody dies that we love, we grieve. But we don't grieve as men who have no hope or women who have no hope. We know that there is more to this life. We know that the best is still to come. So he says, for we believe that Jesus died and rose again. Now look at that, died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. Now guys, this is so important, right? We believe that Jesus died. He died on a cross for your sins, for my sins. It's the gospel, right? Substitutionary atonement, he took your sins upon himself and went to the cross. God made him who knew no sin to be sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. Praise God. But here's the deal. Jesus isn't still on the cross. You know, sometimes you see like you know, a necklace and, and, and there's Jesus still on the cross. And that's okay. We understand that Jesus died for our sins. But Jesus died and was resurrected. <laughs> the centrality of the gospel is the resurrection of Christ, that Jesus conquered death and made a way for all of us to have eternal life. That this life is not all that there is. That there is more to come. And so Paul's going, hey, I want you to know that. I want you to understand that. In fact, according to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. And so what he's saying is immediately when you die, you go to heaven. There's not some holding place. There's not some place that you go. No, immediately you go to heaven. Praise God for that, right? Praise God. I mean, I was thinking about the thief on the cross. Remember Jesus was crucified? There's, there's thieves on both sides. One mocked him. The other one said, hey, truly this man is the son of God. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus, what did he say? Today you'll be with me in paradise. Today when you die, you immediately wake up in the arms of Jesus, if you're a believer, wow, that changes everything. And the hope that we have in Christ, and he's like, guys, I want you to know that, I want you to understand that. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command and with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, after that, 
we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So what's he talking about? The rapture. This is where we see the rapture. And what he's saying is, you know, hey, don't worry, you're not gonna miss him. And there were people back then that were thinking, well, what if Jesus comes back and I miss him? <laughs> what if he comes back and I, I didn't know? He's like, no, 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 no. You're not gonna miss him. Immediately when somebody dies, they go to be with God in heaven. But if you're still alive, and we can talk about the tribulation and premillennialism, we can get into all that, but the fact is there will come a time where there'll be a trumpet call of God and Jesus will come back into this world and he'll say, enough, enough pain, enough suffering, and he will take those who are still alive in him, who are Christ followers, he'll take us home and we'll go to heaven and we'll be with him. He says, listen, guys, listen, and so we will be with the Lord forever. Your eternity is secure. I mean, praise God, that ought to give you confidence in the way that you live. And then he comes back, right? Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Encourage one another. Man, live an encouraged life. Understand that God's got this. And if God's gonna take care of your eternity, he's gonna be with you right here, right now. Whatever you're going through, God is enough. And he loves you. All right, if you're taking notes today, here's some things I'd love for you to write down because I think it's so important for us. If you have a worship guide here at Franklin, if you're online, you go to the Rolling Hills app. There's some blanks you can fill in there just to help us remember what we're learning today from 1 Thessalonians chapter four. Look at this. We celebrate God's goodness when we live to please God, right? And think about your life. Just think about your life. Am I living to please the world? Am I living to please somebody else? a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a spouse, yeah, or am I living to please God? Is that the agenda of my life? He says it's God's will, it's God's will. And a lot of people, uh, you know, Pastor Jeff, I just wanna know what God's will for my life is, you know, and I'm always like, yeah, I mean, and I know what they're talking about, job, or they're talking about school, or they're talking about who to date or marry, but I always wanna go, here's God's will for your life, that you should be sanctified. If you pursue God, he's gonna take care of the details, right? Be sanctified, trust him. <laughs> All right, Paul encourages the church to be sanctified in Christ. Sanctified, remember, means to be holy. It means to be set apart. So the church should look different than the world. It should look different. You know, there, there's things in our lives, right, that we are in this world, but we're not of this world. So there's things in our lives that, that look like the world, but man, our goal is not just how much money can I make? My goal is not just, hey, I wanna retire early and go you know, live off you know, in a lake house somewhere and, and forget everybody else. I mean, my, my goal, that's fine. You know, make money and do well. I hope you do great at your job. But my goal is to use whatever time I have on this earth to bring glory to God. My, that's my goal, you know? And, and I want to pursue him and I wanna be holy. I wanna be pursuing God in every area of my life life. So he talks about this sexual immorality, and it's a temptation for everyone. It's a temptation for everyone. And we have to know that. And sometimes we go, well, it's not me. You know, it's not going to impact me. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a temptation. Now, here's the great part. God created sex. That's great. Thank you, God, you know. And used in the right context, I mean, it's fantastic, right? When it's in marriage, it's used in the right context. It's, it's wonderful, but it's like fire, right? If, if you have fire and you can take it out and you can use it to cook, you can use it to purify water, you can use it to keep warm, 
But you take it out of that right context, and what does it do? It destroys. Look at the California wildfires, right? It just destroys. It goes crazy. That's what happened. That was what Paul was saying to the church then. That's what God's saying to us now. Be sure, right? Be sure you use this in the right context. Understand this. Think about, think about, think about even in our day, in our time. Think about how many people have just blown their whole careers, their families over that. I mean, we're talking presidential hopefuls. We're talking professional athletes who were at the top of their game, right? I mean, like they worked hard and hard. Oh man, all the hours, all the practice, all the time. You're talking military generals. You're talking clergy, teachers, presidents of universities. And sometimes we go, well, that's never gonna happen to me. Oh, no, 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 no. Listen, we have an enemy. The devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And we always have to protect ourselves, especially in this area. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says, flee from sexual immorality. Flee. But we don't like to flee, do we? We like to flirt. (laughs) We like to get as close to the line as we can and go, oh, man, look at that, look at that. You know, back then they had temple prostitutes, right? Back then you have to go to a place, a temple. Today, you got pornography right there on your phone. And it's a temptation for every man. Men are visually stimulated, right? We are. And you start to put those images in your mind, and you know what it does? It just erodes your capacity for intimacy. It starts eroding on your marriage. It starts impacting you. It starts eroding on your future marriage because those images are in your head. But women are more emotionally stimulated. And you have to watch. You go, oh, I want to reconnect with somebody. Here we go on social media or Facebook. We start to reconnect with the old boyfriend. They go, oh, you're so pretty and you look so great. And you're like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And all of a sudden, you start drifting away, drifting away. And instead of fleeing, you kind of flirt. You go, oh, I like it. I like the attention. I like the way it makes me feel. And you're like, hold on, hold on. Stop, stop, stop. And nobody's immune. And Satan wants to come in and bring that into your life or bring that into your heart. You have to go, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm supposed to be holy. I'm supposed to be sanctified. I'm supposed to be different. I'm supposed to be a man or woman after God. Watch yourself. Watch your mind. Watch your heart here. Look, be sanctified in all areas of your life. He's hitting this one area, but I mean, it's every area, right? I mean, it's anger issues or it's alcoholism or whatever it is. And you've got to go, wait a minute, am I looking more like the world or am I looking more like Jesus? Am I looking more like the world in my life or am I being sanctified to look more like Jesus? You know, there's a guy in the Old Testament named David and, and you're just thinking, David, this guy, I mean, he grew up and he worshiped God. He loved God. God blessed him. I mean, he defeated Goliath. He becomes the king over Israel. When he's the king, he brings the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem. I mean, God just blesses and blesses and blesses him. And then one night, he's walking around the roof of his palace and he sees a young woman bathing. And you're thinking, okay, David, don't go there, right? Turn away, flee, walk away. But what does he do? Wow, check her out. Hey, uh, a servant guy, come Go find out who that is. Servant guy, like, uh, isn't that the wife, the wife of Uriah the Hittite, your buddy, guy who's out there fighting the war for you, David? Yeah, 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 whatever, go get her. And one night, 
And he thinks, oh, I got away with it, no big deal. Oh, big deal, big deal. Nobody knows, right? Until the message comes back, David, I'm pregnant. Now David's gotta cover that up. I mean, all of his career, all of his life, all these things, and he just sacrifices it for, what, 30 minutes, an hour, one night, just throws it all away. Has her husband murdered, brings her into the palace, thinks, oh man, nobody knows. But God knows. And Nathan the prophet shows up and goes, David, God knows. And here's the deal with David right there. Psalm 51, David repents. David stops and says, repents. He repents. He turns back over to God. And I want to tell you, you look at David's life after that, there are consequences for that sin, right? The baby dies. I mean, the, you know, his own son rebels against him. I mean, there is war in his house. But he lives his life for the glory of God after that, even so much that at the end of his life, he's known as a man after God's heart. So what I'll say is this. There is forgiveness in this area because a lot of times Satan will come and remind us, hey, what you did in high school, what you did in college, what you did, and you gotta go, get behind me, Satan. I'm forgiven, I'm redeemed, and I'm going forward in Christ. I'm going forward as a new creation. I have been healed and restored. Don't keep bringing that up. I wanna be a new creation in Christ, and I wanna be holy from this moment going forward. We could do this right, you guys. We could excel in the areas of knowing Jesus. Be sanctified. All right, look at this one. We celebrate God's goodness when we live a life of love. When we live a life of love. Now about your love for one another, we do not need to write you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. And this word, it's agape, it's like an unconditional love for the people around you, for your family, for your friends, for the church. Paul encourages the church that the distinguishing mark of a Christ follower is love. You know the fruit of the Spirit, right? When you become a Christ follower, God places his Holy Spirit in you. And the fruit of the Spirit, that means what's in your life, what's the fruit that should come out, and the first one is love. <laughs> love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. That in our lives, people look at us and they go, wow, you're different. You're different because of the way you care about people. You're different because of the way you serve people. You're different because of the way you pray for people. And here we go, yeah, there's a distinguishing mark, love. Listen, we may not agree with everyone, but we're still called to love. I mean, we live in the cancel culture, right? We live in a day and a time of negativity. I mean, social media, it's just negative, negative, negative. We're not gonna agree with everybody out there. And there's times you make a stand and you take a stand for what you believe in. But that doesn't mean that you hate the other person, that doesn't mean you hate somebody who disagrees with you. That doesn't mean that we call somebody else names because they don't agree with us. It means we love them. Jesus said, love your enemies. That's radical. Because what the world is saying is, man, no, 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 take your enemy down. And Jesus goes, no, 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 no. Listen, you love them. You stand up for what you believe. You, you talk about things that are right. But man, you love, you love, you love. Are you growing in your love? Are you growing in your love? He said that in 1 Thessalonians chapter three last week. He was talking about that. And so as you look back over your life, are you growing in your love? I think about Paul. <laughs> you know, the guy who wrote this letter, if you remember his story, he was a religious leader. He was persecuting the church because they didn't believe exactly like he did. So he's like, we're gonna go and put them in jail. We're gonna murder Christians. 
I mean, that's pretty bad, right? So if you ever have guilt and shame and think God can't use you, just think about how God used this guy who actually murdered Christians, okay? I mean, whatever you've done in your life, listen, God can forgive and heal and redeem and restore, and God can still use you. So, but what does Paul do now? He meets Jesus on the road to Damascus, his life is forever changed, and now what is he saying? Love, 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 love. And now he's not going, hey, let's go take out the Jews, or let's go take out people who don't agree with us. No, no, let's love them. Let's love them. Radical change. Are you growing, are you growing in your love? And then look at this. We celebrate God's goodness when we live in light of eternity. We live in light of eternity. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed. The Bible, Jesus talks a lot about this. Why? He doesn't want you to be uninformed about those who sleep at death, about those who fall asleep and wake up in the arms of Jesus so that you do not grieve like the rest of the mankind who have no hope. Oh, we have hope. Listen, Paul encourages the church to have an eternal perspective. See, we get stuck when we have a temporal perspective. And we just invest in things that are temporary, right? And it causes the worry and the stress and the fear. Jesus says, don't store up for yourselves treasures on this earth where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal. But rather store for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So if our treasure is in heaven, if our treasure is in God, if our treasure is in faith, it will make such an impact on everything else in the way that we live. And he says, church, have an eternal perspective. Guys, listen, there's only three things that are eternal. This is a bonus. You can write this down. And I, I didn't put it in the notes, but the three things. Three things are eternal. God, God's word, and people. Okay? God, God's word, and people. When you invest in those things, you're investing in eternity. When you invest in those things, you're investing in things that are gonna last. Everything else is gonna be gone. I mean, right? We can't take any of it with us. We can't take any of it at all. We can have storage sheds. We can put all of our stuff in storage, and it's gonna stay there. When we die, we go because it stays here. So we have to have an eternal perspective. The afterlife of a Christian and the afterlife of a non-Christian are very different. Jesus talked about heaven and hell. They're both very real, right? And Jesus talked about that because he wanted us to know. He wanted us to understand. And here's the deal. God wants all of us to have a eternal relationship with him. That's why he sent his son Jesus, to redeem and to restore. And God's drawing us to himself. God's inviting us into that relationship with him. Jesus is coming back for his church. So if you were to die today, listen, if you are in Christ, you immediately go to heaven. Then there'll come a time when Jesus will step into this world, he'll rapture the church, we'll go, and then one day, one day, I love this, there'll be a new heaven and a new earth. A new heaven and a new earth. So when people say, well, this world's not my home. Well, if you're a Christ follower, it will be. <laughs> one day, right, when he restores it all, it's gonna go back to Genesis 1 and 2. Think about this. When the world was created, think about having no sin, no decay, no brokenness. Think about it being perfect. New heaven, new earth. And we're here in resurrected bodies. This could be incredible. But Jesus is coming back for his church. He's coming back for his church. All right, always live with hope. Always live with hope. That's what Paul's encouraging. Have hope. Hope, the best is still to come. The best is still to be in your life. God's not finished with you. God's not finished with you. Therefore, hey, encourage one another. Encourage one another with these words. Stay on the right path. Trust in the Lord. I want you to hear from a guy in our church, an amazing guy. Just so thankful for him, so thankful for his family. 
I want you to hear just a little bit of his story today. Watch this. Growing up, I remember just having the best dad. He was always there for us. He coached every sport that we played. He made every holiday bigger than life. He became a Christian at 42. That's what changed our life. And he started pouring in uh, to my sister and I and my mom. We started just living a whole different life of not the world and the material things, uh, but for Jesus. It was special to have him on my wedding day stand next to me and to be able just to build on a great father-son uh, relationship. I remember I was planning our one-year anniversary uh, for Christina and I, and, and I got a phone call from my mom. She said, your dad's not breathing. Being able to, to see my dad just lifeless, uh, coming out of the ambulance into the hospital room and just wondering why. I was 26 at the time, and all of a sudden, my best friend was taken from me. The support was amazing. We have a great community that surrounds us, friends, family. But as a day turns into a week, turns into a month, turns into years, I believe the one thing that happens is you start to feel alone. I, I remember seeing a buddy uh, at the beach do a photo shoot, and it was him, his son, his dad, and his grandson. And I was like, wow, they've got four generations in one photo. And I don't have a granddad, I don't have a dad, and I don't have a son. And I just remember just feeling alone. It caused stress on my marriage, it caused stress in my workplace, it caused stress with my friends, because I just deep down just felt super alone and didn't really understand how to fulfill that void. And that's what I've been so blessed with our Bible study, that we continually have prayer over us, that we lock arms together, that we dive into scripture, that we pray over each other, and that we just are always there for each other regardless of the situation, the personal battle we're going through. What I've learned through the journey is, first, I have a perfect Heavenly Father, and I knew I wasn't alone with Him, but to have an added branch of having a son that I can pour into and tell Him that He's not alone and, and that He has a perfect Heavenly Father and to continue to let Him learn from my story and what I went through. At Rolling Hills, we've never done a men's event in almost 18 years. And along with Mike Fisher and Jeff, and the staff at Rolling Hills and Lifeway, we put together an amazing night for over 700 men came to worship Jesus, understand that they don't have to go alone. It was an amazing night, and I'm so glad he got to see at an early age how important it is for men to come together. When Cooper was born, I asked Christina for Father's Day to get me a, a cross necklace as just a reminder that we have a perfect father. And one of the things I did is I took my dad's wedding ring, and I took my wedding ring, and I, and I laid it on the cross, and one day this will be Cooper's, and be able to continue the legacy of just knowing that we're all still together on this earth, and one day we'll all be together up in heaven. You know what? I just think that's so incredible about Austin's story, about his dad, 
at the age of 42, making a commitment, I'm gonna live for Jesus. And how it impacted his whole family. And also said, me and my sister, it changed our whole family. And now to see the impact on generations. And not just the impact on generations, the impact on other men. And to say, here's a person at 42 who was living for the world and now says, hey, I'm gonna live for Jesus. And the difference it'll make. Guys, we don't have long on this earth. Live for the things that matter. Invest in what will last. It's Jesus and the hope that we have in Christ. And I don't know where you are today. Maybe you're here and you've just kind of been checking things out. But man, I want to tell you, it's about a relationship with God through Jesus. It's not about what you do. We've all failed. We've all fallen short. It's about what he's done. That he redeems, that he restores, that he makes things new and right. And if you're here today and you have this guilt or this shame, no. Be healed. Be forgiven. And live with boldness. Live with confidence because of who Jesus is. Live to make a difference for others. And make a difference in the name of Jesus. God is with you. God is for you. Live a life of love. And always have hope. The best is still to come. The best is still to be. God is at work in your heart. Invest in what will last. I want to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. I don't know where you are today. But are you living to please the world? (laughs) Or are you living to please God? Maybe today you feel alone. (laughs) I'm just going to tell you, you're not. You've got a heavenly father who loves you. You have family and friends. You've got church. You've got community. Maybe a day you kind of look and you go, man, I'm investing in the temporal things. <laughs> I want to invest in the things that matter. I want to invest in the things that last. Oh, God, help me love. Help me love like you love. So, Father God, here we are, your disciples today, your church today. Just like the church in Thessalonica had their day, <laughs> we got our day. And we live in a perverse culture, Father. We live in a culture that wars against us, whether it's pornography or affairs. And God, I pray we'd be sanctified. I pray we'd be set apart and holy. I pray, God, that we would live a life of love for however long we have on this earth. God, find us faithful and encourage us today. Encourage us in the journey. The death's not the end. We will be reunited with those we love. And we will be with you forever. We will be with you forever. Thank you for the hope we have in Christ. Thank you for the joy we have in Christ. And thank you, Father, for your presence today. And it's in your name that we pray and dedicate our lives to you. Amen. Thanks for listening to our Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast, part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network, where you can find great podcasts like Making History, 
Parenting Podcast, Men's Leadership Network, RH Women's As You Go Podcast, and more. If you want to learn more about what's going on in the life of Rolling Hills, download our Rolling Hills app or visit our website at rollinghills.church. From there, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook to stay up to date with what's happening and ways you can connect. We're thankful for you.